Welcome to another episode of Putting the Pieces Together with Jigsaw Learning. I'm joined today by two fantastic ladies from Livingston Range School Division. Tara Tanner is currently the Divisional Principal in the Livingston Range School Division Pursuits Program. Over her 22 years in education, she's had many roles that have enabled her to teach all ages and experiences in three different schools in both Saskatchewan and Alberta. She firmly believes in that we are stronger together and in the importance of team as she works with her staff for the betterment of students. Joining Tara is Sandy Harrower, who is the Early Learning Supervisor for Livingston Range School Division, and she's also the Learning Coach for the Livingston Range School Division Pursuits Program. Sandy has had the opportunity to work in three different school divisions in both Manitoba and Alberta over the last 17 years. Sandy values collaboration and supporting students, staff, and families to further enhance instructional design and programming opportunities for all students in an inclusive learning environment. So welcome to you both. You bring a wide variety of experience across provinces and across grade levels. So we're very happy to have you here today. Thanks for having Thank us. You. So tell us a little bit about the context of your online school in Livingston Range, the Pursuits Program, it's called. Yeah, so uh, Sandy and I work in LRSD Livingston Range. So it, for those of you who don't know, it's a very small uh, division in southwest Alberta. Uh, very rural populations. Our biggest center would be about 3,000 people. So a very diverse population. There's a diverse uh, First Nations population, a lot of Blackfoot um, students uh, attend our school division uh, from our Pecani Reserve and from the Kainai Reserve that border our jurisdiction. Uh, we have about currently about 350 students uh, in our virtual school program and about 15 teachers uh, that work with these 350 students. Uh, right now we are K-12 school, uh, so we're teaching kindergarten online, which is an interesting, uh, an interesting endeavor for sure, uh, all the way through, of course, to graduation. Uh, before we began this year, there was a small onlearn, online learning platform in our division uh, that taught one-off type courses, but with COVID coming, uh, like many other jurisdictions, we pivoted uh, quickly and rapidly and created a, a K-12 school. And so uh, we're setting our part of pursuits. So part of pursuits is the virtual school. Uh, we also have several other things on the go uh, within our pursuits program, including a summer school, there's our homeschool, our home educated students or homeschooling students are with us. We're looking at place-based programming. We have pre-employment certifications, a tutoring program, et cetera, et cetera. So we have lots of things that are on the go and are super excited about uh, what that means for kids in our jur jurisdiction. So it's not just the online school that's part of the pursuits program. It's no. a wide variety that you're responsible yeah, for. Yeah, we have like eight different things that we're working on and are on the go. And some are on the go currently, some are in the works for next year, and then a couple kind of beyond that as well. So we have a long range plan, uh, kind of to provide innovative, experiential type learning programs to our kids. So you talked a little bit about having that online platform to start with. Mm -hmm. Aside from COVID-19, what prompted the desire to expand that platform so students could access an online school? Mm -hmm. For us, like I said before, we're so rural. And I think the biggest impetus is we have small schools, uh, some with declining enrollments, of course. And it becomes 
there's kind of a tipping point where it becomes quite difficult to be able to offer everything you want to offer kids, uh, given the number of students and staff that you have. So our biggest mantra, if you will, is that we can do more if we work together. We want to leverage all of our students and all of our staff in our division to offer the very best programming for kids. And so we're looking at ways to collaborate jurisdictionally when maybe before it was more at the school level uh, to be able to work for the betterment of kids. So what sort of coordination was necessary in making that a reality for your students? Initially, several temporary teachers were hired to offer some of the programming within the virtual environment. Um, and the registrations and transitions were overseen by the homeschools, but it quickly became apparent that there was a greater need than what we expected. And many of the teachers um, that initially started with pursuits were also doing a combination of in-person and virtual teaching. Um, so we quickly found that we had to um, change our processes and our staffing structure to really support the environment um, moving forward. And at the end of September was when Tara was approached to move from her role as a junior high high school principal to come over to support pursuits. So Tara was involved when she came on in quickly hiring additional staff to consolidate our staff model and to move forward with supporting our online program. And then at the beginning of October, um, I was approached to come over and support the pursuits environment as well. So I was initially the early learning supervisor and the learning coach for the division. And so we just shifted my learning coach role for this year over to the pursuits environment. So Tara and I have been able to work very closely together. Yeah. And then um, once Tara and I got rolling together, we found that we spent a lot of time really looking at who is actually enrolled in the school, um, looking at what our numbers are, you know, coordinating if they were attending our school or if they were still in person and just really trying to create that foundational information that usually is in place at the beginning of a school year. And we spent a lot of time connecting with the homeschools to find out as much information about the students that are with us now as we could. And then we began um, looking at our collaborative response structure and our vision for the school moving forward. But in the beginning, what communication was had with staff and students and parents around the availability of online school? Yeah, so that evolved too. Um, so at the beginning of August, uh, all of our uh, administrators were called back early uh, and we did a, a district-wide survey uh, of all of our families to see who wanted to learn online and who wanted to learn in person. And then we followed that up I was in an in-person school at that point in time. We followed up with phone calls uh, to families to kind of gauge interest. And like Sandy said, we found that there was a greater interest that I think the jurisdiction initially thought there was going to be. And I think that happened with a lot of, of jurisdictions, not just ours. Uh, so then became this, I wouldn't say scramble, but then became hiring all these temporary people and then understanding that we had a school. We had 350 kids that needed to, some structure in place. And so then that's kind of when we came on board. Uh, and then in October, we made the decision as a jurisdiction to kind of give a hard and fast deadline. So I think October 19th was our deadline 
where we introduced our model, our pursuits model, our school model, and we gave families one more chance basically to state their intentions for whether they want to continue online or move back to their in-person school for semester one. Recognizing then that semester one was done, we did another resurvey in December, uh, asking them to state their intentions for the remainder of the school year. Now, our school jurisdiction's motto is every student every day. And so we, we recognize that and certainly are flexible with families. And we know family circumstances change. They change all the time. And we certainly have worked with tons of families that didn't meet that deadline uh, to do what's best for them and their families. And so there's, there certainly is that, that human factor, if you will. It's not a rigid kind of thing where we, we, rec we know that there's gonna be things that change in families. So being flexible with students who need to transition into online learning or out of online learning and back to their home schools prior yeah. to those Well, dates. as the economy is opening up in spring, I've noticed in particular, a lot of families are being able to go back to work, which is amazing. And I certainly wouldn't want to be the person standing in the way of them um, supporting their families by saying that they had to stay in an online learning environment if they're able to uh, support their families once again. Absolutely. So when we consider the variety of students and you talk about meeting their needs, how have you been able to address the learning needs of students when they're not on site? As I spoke to a little bit earlier is Tara and I started to imagine what our vision was for the school and we decided to utilize the collaborative response model. And through the use of that model, we were able to identify students in needs and their key issues. And then um, as a learning support team, which is Tara and myself, uh, we meet bi-weekly to discuss those tier three concerns and follow up um, with those students as needed and provide extra support to teachers in that area. Our biggest challenge initially, um, as Tara's mentioned, was that we instantly gained 350 students from a variety of backgrounds and needs and just trying to gather all the information on them as quickly as possible. Um, we, we spent a lot of time, as I mentioned, collaborating with homeschools to gain this information, talking with former teachers, families, and just trying to create the stories of each student within our school. We have made a lot of progress in this area. You know, we've created um, transition forms that the sending schools complete now when a child is changing programming. And we do the same when we have a child going back to the homeschool. So we've made a lot of um, changes in that area. And then we've also developed school structures to support our students. So each teacher does offer office hours where students, if they're having difficulty or have a question, they can just sign on to a Google Meet link and touch base with their teacher for a little extra help and support. There's also small groups for extra instruction that teachers have developed. And we do have access to educational assistance throughout the week for our students. Another change that we made in, I believe it was November or December, um, was encouraging our teachers to take Fridays and use that as a true parent communication day because there is a lot more parent follow-up and connection in a virtual school we're finding. And the teachers are really needing that extra time to connect with students and families. The other thing we've done is we've worked really hard on understanding online pedagogy and what really is best practices in an online learning environment. And so we've touched base on uh, things with our staff and our staff has been sharing their successes with us in their use of choice boards with students, um, increasing our use of formative assessment, 
moving away from workbooks, prioritizing those key concepts. And we're finding that a lot more team planning is taking place now and our teachers are really collaborating with each other and supporting one another in their planning process. Some of our, t- our teams are meeting daily and some of the teams are meeting weekly. So that's been really exciting to see and it's really supported um, the pedagogy of the school as a whole. So those meetings for those teachers that are happening daily and week and or weekly, are those embedded into their teaching time? Are they finding time in their work day to make that happen? Yes. So a lot of them will, that'll be their first contact of the day. So they might get together at 830, uh, do a touch base. They might do some embedded stuff after lunch is, we find is a good time as well. So they have worked to, I haven't set that time for them. Uh, they have worked to create those times that work within their their work day. We had to, when we kind of came together to school, we had to, we had to work collaboratively very quickly, obviously with one another, even in terms of things like when we expected kids to be online, we couldn't have a grade one class and a grade five class online at the same time because the family may only have one device, for example. So we we, we created kind of a times they could be online schedule. So all of those grades Um, have similar free times, if you will, in their day to be able to meet and collaborate with one another. That's actually one of the big things about online school I've noticed is it's easier almost to collaborate with one another because your day is more flexible. And that's been really a really great benefit, I think, is our teachers have that time to work together and collaborate. Even our collaborative response uh, team meetings, we're able to embed those in the day at the end of the day from three to four Uh, every week because we have those more flexible schedules uh, with our students. And so your collaborative response teams that are meeting together, are those grade level, are those grade level bands? What what does that look like? Yeah, so the grade level bands. So we have a kindergarten to grade two team, uh, grade three to six team, and then a junior high to high school team uh, that meet. And so we we rotate, uh, one team meets each week on a three week rotational basis. And then in there, as Sandy said, kind of for our tier three response, Sandy and I have a learning support team meetings every second week uh, where we would address any um, referrals that would come from those team meetings. And so for those students who are getting those referrals, um, are you able to access the, the outside supports that you need for those students through the, the district? And, then, and what does that process look like? Yeah, so it varies. Uh, So we have access to all of our family school liaison counselors, uh, for example. So whatever the child's catchment area school would be, uh, we would have access to their local school counselor, uh, for example. We also have access to all of the other divisional resources and behavior specialists, those sorts of things that would be available to all schools in our jurisdiction. Uh, So generally, Uh, Sandy tends to take the point as the learning coach on a lot of those uh, connection points with um, those experts, if you will, in our jurisdiction. Uh, Then we meet, we discuss, we make our action plan, Uh, of course, bring the teacher and the teaching team in and family in as well uh, as needed. It's the parent support becomes invaluable in a virtual learning environment because without them, we, uh, we have troubles, right? So we really need that parental piece as well. And Sandy's been really great at following up with families and and making those connections when those referrals come in as well. 
Well, I think Tara really covered it. You know, as she mentioned, we do have access to all the resources that a student would within the school. Um, so we're able to access speech language pathology, occupational therapy, and physiotherapy, if that's something that's also required um, for a student. And, you know, we just make sure we liaise um, differently with those providers as much as possible. And we really rely on that parent piece and information to help us tailor what level of supports are needed. It's interesting too, because we don't actually ever see these kids in person, right? <laughs> and, and we don't know a lot of these kids other than who, you know, what we hear about them. So the parent piece is so incredibly critical for gaining information. So when I hear the structures and whatnot that you have in place and the organization that you have, I'm, I'm in awe. But if we take a moment to reflect, if you could go back to the beginning of the school year, what might be one thing you would change and why would that be? <laughs> we have two things we came up with. <laughs> so the, the first one is we would have loved to have started this in August instead of October, obviously. Um, we felt we, we've been playing a bit of catch up. We, we play catch up really fast. Actually, I, I must say we we got ourselves in a pretty good place within about a month. Um, but just being able to to meet with our staff and to develop those processes and procedures and to talk about pedagogy and all those things before we began would have been amazing. And there would have been um, less frustrated people probably in September uh, because of it. And teachers would have felt less anxious in September. Uh, kind of along with that, the biggest piece we've alluded to a few times already is just knowing the kids before we got them. There wasn't a great uh, avenue for us to get information about kids. We had some kids with some fairly significant needs, but all we had was a name on a piece of paper. So it took a lot of, um, of us organizing and detective work to really get a good picture of what some of our students' needs were. And so to be able to have that in place at the beginning of the year rather than in October would have been so awesome for us and for the kids and the families, of course. So given the time that you've had now, what would you say is the greatest celebration as leaders in your online school? Go ahead, Sandy. Um, Tara and I, when we were talking about this, we just said that we've never seen change in collaboration occur so quickly within a staff. Um, there's just such a need for support and direction when Tara came on that you could just see the staff was relieved to have, you know, Tara's leadership and to bring everyone together and develop those common practices and understandings as we've alluded to. Um, and then within two months, we saw many of our teachers shift their pedagogy to a more project-based model and we're utilizing more formative assessments. So, you know, just reflecting on the year, Tara and I have both been very proud and impressed with how far we've come in such a short time. I mean, like Tara said, she came on at the end of September. Um, I shortly joined her a few weeks later and you know, we've just kind of gone up and running and doing everything we can to make this a success. And then we feel it truly has been a success for the division and the students and staff within it. So from the perspective of your students, then what would you say is a celebration for them as your staff has transitioned to collaborate and work for them so quickly? There's been some incredible success stories of kids that we have 
had come into our school that were not being successful in a traditional brick and mortar school uh, for, you know, for a variety of reasons. Uh, some kids find it just super difficult to navigate those social relationships um, and they don't maybe have the skills, but this has been just such a great opportunity for many kids. We have some that have didn't even really attend school brick and mortar wise that are now every day on their Google meet with their class. They're participating, they're answering questions. Uh, one girl in grade 11, one of our highest needs in the division in terms of behavioral support is just rock in grade 11. And she finished her math already and we're only halfway to the semester. So there's, I think for some kids, uh, this is a really great way to get their education in, in a safe and structured uh, environment uh, for them. We know it's not for every kid and uh, absolutely, but there is some kids that this has just been an incredible success for. And it's so neat for these parents too, to just be able to, to feel that success in their own kid. Uh, so that would be one uh, celebration. I think the second one is I've never seen teachers and parents uh, collaborate and work so well together. And teachers know their kids and they know their families so well because they talk to them all the time. And so I think it's that true, uh, you know, student, parent, teacher connection, that triangle it is there and it's solid. And that relationship uh, amongst the three groups is, is so um so amazing because of this type of learning environment. So what's been the most frequently asked question you've had with respect to online learning? This is a high school one. It's typical high school kids. They, 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 uh, I think we had several students that um, had the, you know, emergency teaching from March to June, and they believed that um, taking this avenue was going to be very easy. It was going to be easier for them. And, and they had a sad reality when it wasn't easier. And so we, uh, we spent a quite a bit of time in first semester talking about how uh, this is not easier. It's different. That's a different way of learning, but we are learning the same outcomes, uh, getting the same, you know, type of grading, if you will, and the same diploma at the end of the day. So that would be for us the biggest misconception, I guess, uh, that we had to overcome. <laughs> What are you currently seeing or experiencing with respect to instructional practices in the current learning environment? So I think uh, we touched base on this a little bit earlier, but just really looking at that rich task design within an online learning environment that allows for those multiple entry points for all students with more of a focus on project-based learning. And one of the ways students have, or teachers have been able to accomplish that is through the use of choice boards and giving students more choice within their learning tasks. Um, we've noticed that there's definitely been an increase in student engagement as teachers are leveraging a variety of technology, um, a, diff a variety of different types of technology and tools within the classroom. And um, as we've already touched based on just that more formative assessment versus summative assessments and that moving away from worksheets. The other thing that's been really exciting is that teachers are so willing to share their programming successes with each other. We do have monthly staff meetings and teachers are coming forward at the staff meeting and asking for a few minutes each meeting to share something really exciting that they've done with their class, which is really inspiring our, all the teachers. 
And so this could be something as simple as one teacher sharing um, a choice board that she developed for one of her unit tasks within her classroom or um, providing an example of how to use a Jamboard as an interactive formative assessment tool within their daily classroom experiences. So it's just been really amazing to see and the staff coming together. And our staff has also taken upon themselves in the past to create their own professional development days and set up different sessions for one another and also to other teachers within the division or support staff to come learn more about some of the tips and tricks and tools that they're using within the online environment. Wow. So then how might planning for students learning at home in the way that your pursuits program, how might that be impacting instructional practice beyond this context? Yeah, we really hope it does, obviously. <laughs> uh, but I, I think a lot of our teachers, some of our teachers are going to be going back to a, a traditional brick and mortar school next year. And I think as Sandy and I reflected on, I think the biggest thing is they have learned so much about flexibility and about how there's more than one way to teach something. And they've got all these different amazing tools that are available online uh, that they could use also in a, in a classroom context environment. Uh, they've been exposed to different ways of teaching and learning than maybe they had thought of before. And I think that they'll, they'll take the best of both worlds and, and combine it uh, into an amazing classroom experience for their kids. Uh, we've seen creative ways to use math manipulatives online. We've seen uh, guided reading groups being instructed in a virtual learning environment and, and how to get that meaningful feedback from students. And I think those pedagogical pieces will really translate well into a brick and mortar classroom environment. Uh, I think the other thing uh, Sandy talked about uh, earlier was just that culture of collaboration and working together as a team. I think after you experience the power of team and working together as a team, I think you don't wanna go back to isolation. And so I think there'll be lots of opportunities for them to work with their colleagues in their school environments uh, to create those lessons together and to share and, and to work uh, towards the betterment of kids together as a group. From a programming perspective, do your students get the opportunity to take options in their online program as well as core subjects? So the core subjects are been our primary focus. Uh, with that being said, uh, we, at our last staff meeting, one of our sharing things was our grade three, four team uh, shared a little bit about synergy groups. And so what they've been doing is on Fridays, they've been uh, each of the teachers has been offering a elective to kids. So I think there was uh, First Nations games, uh, there was an art class and a computer programming class were the three that they had offered. Students are choosing uh, which one of those three they want to attend and then are being able to participate in that. So our goal is uh, they shared about this last week at our staff meeting and we're hoping to expand that uh, across grade levels and have multi-graded groups uh, being able to to take different courses to kind of enhance their learning a little bit. Cause you're right, reading, writing, mathematics is great, but we, we are now at the point where we're able and we're comfortable enough with our environment to be able to expand that beyond. And so we've been looking at these synergy groups as a, a great way to be able to do that. So moving forward, I mean, we're, we're into second semester, we're in March, but what, what's been learned that's sort of shifting practice in the second semester? 
so a few things. Uh, high, high school, we learned um, we learned the hard way, uh, if you will, as, as we do sometimes in life. Um, the really the importance of creating the, the structure for high school kids, and and not assuming that they are able to time manage themselves. So one just simple structural piece was uh, meeting with kids initially being in semester two, providing them with a timeline. Uh, for completion and really being a lot more persistent with them to maintain those timelines because we found a lot of kiddos uh, got till January and then they were trying to compress a ton of work into one month and I know none of us as adults would ever do such a thing <laughs> but, but we're trying to help support the kids and not being like us maybe <laughs> a little bit more. Um, I think uh, our teams have also started being very deliberate about their team planning times and really setting those meeting times uh, to, to and to collaborate. We've really been preaching uh, working smarter, not harder. It's been one of our mantras and just really leveraging the power of the group uh, to work together. And I think they have found that to be super successful. We are continuing always to modify and improve our collaborative response meetings. Uh, so we last week we had our first themed meeting around uh, parental involvement. Uh, and so that was, I, Sandy had to message another meeting, but I said to her that was probably the best CRM meeting we've ever had. It was amazing. And I think just by honing in and theming our collaborative response meeting times, it, it enabled teachers to really focus on the students that were needing support in that particular area. So moving forward from now till the end of June, we're going to continue with uh, themed meetings. We've also added a full, after doing a staff survey, we, um, our last staff meeting, we surveyed our staff on uh, their understanding of collaborative response, and then just sharing some thoughts and feelings for how we can improve. And one of the suggestions was to embed a follow-up time. So a time where uh, staff can commit or report back on their commit to tries. And so we've added that into our meeting as well, uh, kind of a celebrations piece. And now we'll have a follow-up on commit to tries piece. Uh, it just is an accountability piece and that was their request. So I think that was a really, a really great idea as well. Uh, we also began collecting some social emotional data using a data tool uh, that was created by Jigsaw Learning. Actually, we modified and adapted it to be able to create some, get some data on some of our online students. And so that's been a really great resource to help us as we moved into our themed meetings. And then the last piece I talked about already is we, um, the synergy groups that we're starting to create and kind of branching out a little bit more uh, into some of the other types of areas uh, to give a more well-balanced program. So one, uh, one of the teachers actually, she started her own little phys ed program with kids where she does online workouts with them. Uh, tomorrow we have a First Nations storyteller coming for the entire day uh, to spend the day online with our school. So every uh, every grade has signed up for a time slot to hear some First Nations storytelling. So we're just we're trying to just give a little bit more of a holistic uh, approach as we've kind of now got our feet underneath us uh, with our other programming. So do you think of all that you've learned? What advice might you have for those considering starting or continuing with their online schools? So Tara and I talked about one of the things that's really important to consider is what is the learning platform that you're going to be using and how will the courses look? Um, one of the things we learned sort of between first semester and second semester is um, with second semester because our staff you know, have been doing this for a little while and knew some of the hiccups that they might encounter with families is they were able to set up times with new families and students ahead of time 
to do little tutorials with them and show them, you know, this is the platform we're using. This is how you log in. This is where assignment expectations are posted. Um, and that just made such a difference and more of a seamless transition for them within second semester. So that's something that we, we would really recommend and hopefully can do in this upcoming fall as we work with families coming into the school for next year. Um, the other thing Tara and I worked on was creating what is our learning support structure going to look like? And so that's when we developed that structure of our collaborative response meetings with each grade group and having those on, on a three-week cycle with each team and then having that time as a learning support team to, you know, talk about some of those student needs and key issues in more of an in-depth need as required. Um, the other thing would be, you know, really taking some time to understand what is the difference between online pedagogy and in-person pedagogy, and what do you need to consider within an online environment to really have effective practices in place for students. And then the other piece we talked about was just needing to be deliberate at informing relationships with staff, students, and parents. Um, you know, Tara and I did come on a little bit later in the year and we do have staff, you know, in the United States and across Canada. And so, you know, trying to form relationships with everyone in an online environment is very different than doing that in school. And so um, we were very deliberate and thoughtful about how we can bring our staff together and really unite one another and feel like we're part of this team, even though we're connected virtually. Wow. So that's something I hadn't realized. Most, most districts that I talked to have hired Alberta teachers, but you've gone well and beyond to find the right group of teachers for your students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have many staff that I haven't met in person, to be honest. <laughs> uh, they're, yeah, and but there's, it doesn't mean you can't have great relationships, right? Like we, like Sandy said, we're super intentional about that. We I have there's check-in time like we have check-in meetings once every two weeks I meet with every staff member just to check in for 30 minutes how, it, how are you doing it might be a little bit of a visit then it talk we talk about their kids uh, just to be super intentional about how you you connect with your staff whether they're in Texas or they're <laughs> in Pincher Creek Alberta you know it, it doesn't really matter um, because we have this virtual world that we can connect with one another and so we, uh, yeah, so our next idea is a, a virtual coffee break. So uh, we're going to put together little packages and have a staff virtual coffee break uh, in April with them. Wow. It's very exciting. So you're well underway with this online school. And so I'm assuming there are intentions for it to continue into the future. Yeah, so right now they I've got a survey out to all of our uh, current at-home learners just to gauge their intentions for fall. Some families have just loved the flexibility of an online learning environment and just want to continue it regardless of COVID or anything else just because it's working really well uh, for their family. And others, of course, did it for health reasons and are looking to go back. But we're just we're trying to figure out what grades we're going to offer. I, we know for sure we'll have a high school. Um, but uh, trying to decide whether or not we need to have the younger grades or not. So that survey ends in a couple of days and we'll, we'll see what that brings. So do you have any last thoughts to share around this whole process that you've undergone, this learning experience that you've had this year? Yeah, we're, we're going to call this uh, section unexpected learnings. I, it's how we <laughs> kind of framed it. Some unexpected things that happened and 
and pleasant surprises, I guess we could call it too. Uh, first one, obviously, as many families are continuing online because it's, it's just working for them and for their family. Uh, we also have most of our staff want to continue as online teachers, which I, for me, that was an unexpected thing. They, they feel connected and they love what they're doing and they love working with families in an online way. Uh, I think, too, we've seen uh, a growth in populations across our division in um, areas where maybe students don't typically, because of cultural or religious reasons, uh, get a high school diploma. So we have several of our Hutterite colonies, for example, that have come on board to get their kids a high school education. Uh, some of our families from other uh, faith-based organizations that normally would only go till the end of grade nine are now continuing on uh, because they have the flexibility to be able to have their kids working during the day and completing some of their schooling in the evenings and after hours time. I think too, I talked a little bit at the beginning about the growth of our pursuits programming. We're much more than a virtual school now. Uh, we have online tutoring program going. We're working on a ton of play-based learning opportunities using our Rocky Mountains as our backdrop. So I've got a lot of community partners that I'm working with to create programming for fall for students. Uh, things like ski instructor programs and snowshoeing courses and avalanche training and uh, first aid. Like the sky is really the limit in terms of play-based programming for our kiddos doing a lot of work with uh, pre-employment certifications. So thinking about what certifications kids need to be employable. And again, we can use the whole divisions population to fill these types of courses. We have our summer school up and running. So we're gonna have a summer school for the first time ever uh, in our jurisdiction. And I've got um, enough registrations already in the first three weeks of having it open to be able to run it for the summer. So I know that it's, there's gonna be even more coming in the next few months for that. Uh, we also have, uh, we're going to change our model for our outreach schools in our jurisdiction and we're going to have them come underneath our pursuits umbrella and have teachers next year being housed uh, at our outreaches that will be able to offer programming to our outreach students, but also then out to our um, jurisdiction through the virtual school. And then the other th big unexpected learning is we've seen a real desire for increased collaboration amongst our high schools in particular. And so sometimes uh, in high schools, and I'm a high school principal, so I'm guilty as, of this as well, is we, we like to do things our way. Um, but I think we've really seen the need and the desire for this virtual school environment to provide the very best programming in our small high schools for our students. So we're really uh, been working as a high school group in our jurisdiction to plan for fall, uh, for what school will look like. Each school is willing and excited to offer uh, up, up some teacher time to be able to offer uh, courses across the jurisdiction through our virtual school. A lot of our schools are using us now for off-cycle kids, for kids that need extra credits, and also to provide some flexibility for their students that are learning in person. So a good chunk of, actually most of our high school kids are actually in-person learners that are taking uh, one or two courses through our uh, through our school this semester. So that's pretty neat. And I think that will be kind of going forward. Uh, a lot of our clientele will be those students that are requiring those one or two off type of courses. So lots of really cool things have happened because of this. I was gonna say, <laughs> I, I'm listening to you talk and, I, and I'm seeing this kind of home-based networking out to various organizations and districts where where you've, you've got that connection to parents and students mm -hmm. and other schools and the community and yeah, 
exactly. It's a very neat little network you're growing there. Yeah. And I think I, I discovered a lot through my work at when I was principal at Matthew Halton in Pincher Creek. I We did a something called experiential learning week where we we suspended our timetable for a week each semester and we reached out to community partners to help train and offer courses to our students so i think it's taking that type of model and blowing it up jurisdictionally and and being a jurisdictional hub for all of our schools to be able to provide those amazing opportunities for kids throughout the year so it's not just one week a year we can offer courses for kids as they as they need them and having more kids to draw from enables us to be able to do more so there's lots of really cool things happening for sure so your mantra going into the fall what would you say it is for your pursuits program now so the vision I kind of adopted from the beginning of this is probably going to continue and it's just it's very simple it's no limits and uh, I, I really really believe we have no limits uh in terms of what we can do for kids. And if you, uh, if you seek out partners and people to help you, people are so willing to work with kids in our communities and we just, we just need to ask and to work with them. And how about you, Sandy, any final thoughts? I'm just really excited to see what possibilities um, are gonna come to fruition in the fall for the school. Um, you know, so many amazing things have happened this year and it's just really exciting to see what will be happening next year. Um, and I just want to say, you know, it's been a pleasure working alongside Tara with her. As she mentioned, she has sort of the junior high school expertise and my background's been early learning. So I feel like we've learned a lot from each other and we have really complimented one another. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been nice, you know, when uh, we have questions or situations that pop up, we can say, oh, this one's Tara, this one's Sadie. <laughs> so um, it's been a lot of fun. And I know uh, when we came on board, I don't think... I don't think either one of us really knew what to expect with this uh, virtual school, but it's just been really exciting and a lot of fun to be part of. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I thank you both for taking the time and sharing your story today, because I believe there's a lot to be learned from the stories of others. And yours truly is one that is filled with all sorts of little nuggets and details from which we can. So thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today. Awesome. Thank, thank you for you. having us.